When it comes to the big deployments, start small. And also make sure that you select the 20, 25 people that can become these professional facilitators that can jump around in between meetings and, and guide others. And templatize a lot. Not because we need to industrialize the process necessarily, but as I said, like people need to practice, practice, practice and learn a new language. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. Companies today face a global war for talent, and high-skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top freelancers to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Today, my guest is Mariano Batan, co-founder and CEO of Mural. Mariano's mission is to inspire, enhance, and connect imagination workers so they can collaborate and problem solve wherever they may be. Hello, my name is Mariano Suarez Batan. I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called Mural. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with me today. I think everybody has started to experience remote work together and, and the tools that you hear the most are Slack and Zoom. And Mural is one that actually we'll talk about in a minute I had an experience with and is a pretty transformative way to collaborate. But before we get into that, I want to just get a little bit about your background growing up in Argentina, moving to the States and, and getting into technology. Take me through that journey and, and what makes you passionate about this space. So, yes, I, I grew up in Buenos Aires, Argentina. My dad worked for IBM and I was fortunate to always have access to PCs, right? Like they were part of, I guess, their compensation strategy to have access to computers. And I played a lot of games growing up and I tinkered with computers and so forth. And that's how I, I got in love with the possibility of technology. Then I, in 1992, also because of IBM, we were assigned for a year in, in New York, upside New York, where, where headquarters are. And they took like a professional development year for him. And I was able to not only, again, keep on being in touch with technology, but have my first experience in 1992 talking over the internet, which was not an <laughs> internet yet. It right. was the IBM network with my friend that was also the son of an employee of IBM. And that was like amazing, like the possibility to, to have a conversation online in 1992 uh, with my friend back from home. Uh, yeah, the love for technologies has always been, been there. Now, you've co-founded three companies, one which was acquired by Disney, IDME, and now Mural. What wakes you up every day and, and keeps you pushing to get your ideas out into the world? So I guess I'm, yeah, I'm a curious uh, guy and a inventor by trade, but in general, it's because I see people using our, our software and get excited about it. But I also see like the half, the, the glass half empty and see all the possibilities that are out there. So I don't really know, to be honest, but I'm also like a little obsessive about getting it better and better and, and better. And, and I don't forget about the little things that are still not there. So I don't know why I'll probably have to go to a psychologist at some point. <laughs> I did figure that out. Well, let's talk about your current company, Mural. How did the company come to be? 
And tell me a little bit about the offering for people that may not know about it. Sure. So Mural at its core is an online whiteboard, an online canvas that is very approachable, very visual. You can draw icons and pictures and ultimately make what we call alignment diagrams, which are representations through shapes and I mean visuals about reality or future reality, right? So like understanding what a customer might be feeling or the journey that they go through to purchase you or something or whatever that allows you to understand, to think. And most importantly, in the context of a global multidisciplinary world, able for your team to also understand and align uh, based on the same things. Because sometimes I might say ball and you interpret it's like a tennis ball and I say that it's a soccer ball. When it's visualized, it's simpler to understand what it is. So that's the principle and the baseline, right? Like visual thinking and visual collaboration in a very flexible canvas allows you to think with the technology, but also combined with a layer that allows you to run better workshops, right? You experienced it last week uh, yourself, but there's the possibility to work anywhere that we provide, but also the possibility to facilitate the conversations, the collaborations in a better way. We believe that collaboration should happen anywhere, but also that facilitation as a core competency in, makes collaborations much better. Right? And, and these guided methodologies that have become very popular around design thinking, design sprints, agile, and so on, in a way are frameworks that allow everybody to be able to work in this uh, way that has been super productive for a lot of people. If you go to mural.co, you can test it out yourself. <laughs> well, let me tell you about my experience last week. I am part of an organization called Open Assembly, which brings together all of the people working in the talent economy and the freelance space of, on the platforms. And we're working on a project, and we had a facilitator who was amazing. And these were people from all over the world. It was 50 people from all over the world. So there was never a chance that we'd all get in the same room, even if we weren't in, in the pandemic. And everybody was really able to contribute to the idea in an anonymous way. And then we had breakout rooms where we, you know, where we walked through and, and then connected and then came back and did that. And for about an hour and a half, we really moved the ball forward on this idea that we were working on. It was just better than any experience I've had in the 20 years of putting sticky notes on, on whiteboards. What are your customers saying as they start to try Mural? Because the big talk about remote work is, oh, you can't collaborate, right? You have to be in the same room to collaborate. I have to be able to see you in person to collaborate. And this is very different. Let me share a story with you. This uh, guy works in, a, in the CIO group in a big Fortune 10 company. And he was telling me two weeks ago, he said, well, before the pandemic, we didn't believe that it was possible to run a good workshop remotely, period. So we never even tried it. But then this thing happened and we were brute forced into doing it or, or else, right? Like uh, they say, like, it helped us survive. But what's interesting is that in that context of brute forcing and, and, and having to do it in this way because there's no way out, they, they go through like an unlearning and relearning process. And they, they pointed out that they were able to do seven workshops that week instead of one that they usually could do in the real world. 
And they said, well, this is not going to go away. And of course, there's a component of not, not needing to travel, right? That allows you to be more productive in, in, in running the meetings. But there's also a lot of learning that happens with people that go through the process that realize things like, I don't know, we should be able to do some like unbundling of the workshops, right? We don't need to be together eight hours to do something like not productive. So maybe there's some preparation they can do in advance asynchronically so that when you get together, we actually do work on things that you need collaboration on. Then of course there's a mean mini groups or breakout rooms that you can do. So people are learning fast how to better run these meetings because, and there's nothing else to do also. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, it's, Fantastic. And the other thing that's happening is that people are templatizing these best practices in a digital format. So the nice thing is that people are going to be able to copy those best practices and those templates and so on, because everything that's digital can be copied. So I'm very bullish on, on like a boost in productivity because of this pandemic, regardless of like if you go back to the office or not. This technology allows you to get input from people that you may not have been able to get input. Like you couldn't do this over a voice teleconference to have somebody try to call in and contribute. And it's a really interactive process. And the other thing is like the, one of our guys, Mark Tippin says, with video conferencing, I see, I see you. With mural, I see what you mean. <laughs> because it's not just about like adding the sticky note, but it's also like, the way that you display things visually have a meaning too, right? So after you add your concept, there might be connected to something else or there might be a prioritization exercise or a voting exercise that needs to happen. So it's not just about posting up, but also finding the patterns and so forth. And that generally, that's why the sticky notes in the real world got so popular because it allowed you to do like a, 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 a computer-like UI on a wall, right? Where you could like, yes, everyone post up, but then it's about the arrangement of the, of the ideas or the observations that it's super interesting too. I want to dig into two things that you said. One is the importance of facilitators and templatizing it. Tell me a little more how Mural is not only a software product, but you're starting to bring a community of expert facilitators into the product so that customers can be hyper-productive. Yes, we, as I said, we believe that we started designing this as a very peer-to-peer types of software. I mean, because that's that's the original insight was myself working with my team in Argentina. I was in the in Silicon Valley most of the time on this new game idea when I was our last company got acquired by by Disney ultimately, and I needed that to collaborate with, with them on this complex concept that I was trying to put together. So that was the original insight and, and the first pass at this. But then through observation, we realized that certain meetings I mean, had been educating on one end of the spectrum, but also like advanced workshops. The role of the facilitator was super evident. I mean, someone that again, would maybe prepare the meeting, would guide the conversation, would ask people to think laterally, would call out on people that were maybe not participating, and, and, and like, kind of like facilitating conversations, collaborations to achieve the desired outcome. And, and yes, we, we've been building functionality and know-how around running better meetings. I don't know if we were to, to use it last week, but there, there's a very simple celebration feature, right? Like 
burst confetti or a timer functionality or a possibility to have people follow you in a virtual space, which by the way is that very, our, our mirrors are very big. So you need to use like a zoomable interface to be able to navigate it sort of like a game. So all of this, those little functionalities are little cues for people that get it, that have been in rooms in front of people and need to help them navigate. So we've been having like a big community of people and people that are professionals or they spend a lot of time facilitating meetings, really appreciate that and having following. And we put together a little ebook, for example, the definitive guide of, of, for facilitating remote workshops so you can get for free at mural.co slash ebook. And of course, a community. And in the community, we're starting to disclose people that we call playmakers. So folks that have invented methodologies and templates and they're offering some of them openly to the public. And that eventually, we're experimenting with this, you'll be able to hire them. And hire them not permanently, not for a project, but even hire them for a three-day workshop, a two-hour meeting on demand, because the beautiful thing is that it's going to be digital, so they don't need to travel. Because sometimes it's really hard, right? I mean, first of all, where do you find a good facilitator? How do you know if they're good or not? But then if they're like, they happen to be like you, you're in, in, in the Seattle area, I'm in the Bay Area. All right, we need to like coordinate logistics, babysitter, the trip, and so forth. With this thing, it's like, okay, first of all, as I said before, you can make more work in less amount of time, right? So two, three hours, four hours per day, right? And then execute on that by, by having someone that can guide the group through this activity uh, remotely, on demand, with a pro- someone that does this for a living and is really, really good at this, right? So I think that's an interesting exploration that we're going to be pursuing in the next year. The facilitator that we had was was extremely important to helping us not only navigate the, the software, but to the methodology. That brings me to the, the second point. We talked about design thinking and agile and, and all of these different methodologies that have been created. Mural is actually set up where it kind of builds on and uses those methodologies that people may want to go through. Tell me a little bit more about there's a lot of companies that are just doing, you know, plain whiteboards. Tell me a little bit about your journey from just a, a big canvas to being very specific to these methodologies. So, yeah, so the, there's, of course, there's, in the methodologies, there's a lot of steps, right? And and people call understanding customers' problem from an ethnographic point of view, they call that in different ways, and there's different ways to, to approach that. So we we don't say that's, this is their way, right? We are not opinionated on, on which are the methods they should be using. We welcome them all because who are we to decide what's the right way? What we do say is that there's principles that, that we believe in, right? Like, so these guided methods are important, but it, I mean, I, I see innovation as music, right? It's really hard for someone that doesn't know how to play the guitar to just go ahead and improvise. So first of all, you need to like learn the basics and maybe play some sheet music. And so that's where we bring in the templates. Play some street music, get good at this, practice, practice, practice. And when we see people as they get more mature in the methodologies and in the collaboration space, digital space, is that they start to improvise. It's not necessary that they need to go through the like very structured approach. And, and what she described is very important. So there's a professor, Jean Litka, from Darden, and she's been studying the impact of design thinking. We did a few webinars with her. She's great. 
And one thing that she found out is that it was important for teams to have someone that was an expert, but most important was that there were no rookies. They saw that it wasn't necessary for everyone in a team to be like a, an expert in agile, expert in design, expert in design. They, they just needed to play along and then have someone I mean, lead the way in the conversation. So the methodologies that, that, that you described, in a way, thankfully got popular so that more people can participate and more people can, can, can not detract others, right? Versus like necessarily like lift it up. And the facilitators also, their job is to like pull people into a level playing field so that they can all collaborate with each other. I think one of the things that's really important that, that you bring up is really helping people not start from a blank slate. Right. Not just saying, hey, here's a here's a whiteboard. Now let's go start putting things up and taking people through that structured process. I've, I've been a part in my career of a ton of design thinking, air quotes, off sites, and they could have benefited from an expert facilitator, not just somebody at the company who had maybe read a book or was was trying their best. Yes. And, and people get I mean, experts and designers get up, get upset. At, like, hey, design thinking is it's not for everybody. And. Well, design is definitely not for everybody, right? I cannot personally craft a beautiful UI, right? but I more or less can understand which are the customer needs and guide the designers to approach that in a different way, maybe. The same thing is not a book, right? It's not something that you follow, but some of the principles in there are important for everybody to use. And some of the methodologies, as you said there, are important to be, to be part of our visual language. Right? We should all be coming into meetings and say, oh, yeah, so you're doing a customer journey out there. I get it. Right. So if these are the steps that someone is, is taking. These are the feelings and anxiety or not that they are going through. These are the blockers. These are frameworks that should be standard in modern work. And that's something that we, we appreciate from design thinking and agile and, and lean for what's worth, like with Kanban and so forth. People should know these methodologies the same way as they know English and the same way as they know how to present. Talk to me a little bit about your partnership with Microsoft and, and the Surface Hub and Teams and, and some of those amazing technologies. We believe there's a missing piece in the digital workplace. There's great video, there's great text, there's great document authoring, there's great task managers or work managers, but there's something in the middle and project room, whiteboard type collaboration, but also some things that people do in PowerPoint, some people, that people, some people doing Excel, right? That should be done is something tailored made to help you with what we call your imagination, your thinking, your strategizing, abstract work that is super important. And that's where we play. Coining the term, we're trying to build the imagination cloud, Right? It's like a reaction to the creative cloud from Adobe because it's things that happened before. It's not about crafting a UI. It's about defining the problems and agreeing on the problems that we need to go after and deciding together and so forth. So that's where we want to play. And there's a lot of work to be done there because it's, it's relatively new. So we rely on other things that are already there so that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Video conferencing, audio, and so on is one. Right? I mean, we have a pretty tight integration with Microsoft Teams that as they keep on doing more progress with their API and SDK, we keep on going there. 
also trying to talk with Zoom and WebEx to also keep making that experience of talking to a screen be as, I mean, more engaging when you're combining that with in a space and we can drop your thoughts on and visualize them. People, once they're done with whatever thing they're doing in Mural, there's action items, right? So we want to like make it super fluid to, uh, so that you can keep on going afterwards. When it comes to Surface Hubs, and I know you're a fan and you were early on in that whole journey with Microsoft and Perceptive Pixel, these things are great. I mean, you saw I have one in my home office now. It allows you to, to yeah, I mean, have the, the human input that is so beautiful about walking to a whiteboard and be able to input in the context of, a, again, a digital realm that is persistent, permanent, and upgradable with multimedia. So most of our users don't have big touchscreens to use. Yet. <laughs> I can imagine a future where everyone has a, a Surface Hub or like device, a big touchscreen. It's almost like it's location-based, like everybody's in the same room. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that already have gone that route, even before the pandemic, right? Uh, we have a big consulting customer that they have all other locations around the world, all digital. So no no sticky notes or whiteboards, only touchscreens and mural. And they do the workshops there and so forth. Very engaging, orchestrated workshops with their top financial services customers and so on. So as people get more used to inputting text to iPhones, but drawings to iPhones, drawings to the iPad, now the big push that Apple is making on the iPad is, is going to hopefully make that a work device very soon. And their pencil application is really great. Of course, Microsoft being an early pioneer on inking, uh, not only on the big devices like the Surface Hub, but also on the medium and smaller devices. Surface Studio is a beautiful device with good inking too. So, so yeah, I mean, the three trends that we are benefiting from are one is this visual thinking methods becoming more and more popular and more needed for innovation to happen. The second one is around distributed work being okay. And not only okay, but actually mandatory now. And the third one is this, like when we are getting used to inputting through glass, naturally, and these devices are getting bigger and better and cheaper. So hopefully all home offices, but also when we get back to the office, we're going to still go back to in-person, but not to physical. When I was using the product, it made me think that I didn't want to go back to a in-person brainstorming because I wanted to bring in more people, right? And if you remove location, you're able to bring in lots more people into the collaboration process. And so that was really eye-opening to me that the software changed my, my mindset. I want to talk a little bit about how you run the company and your, your flexible work structure as opposed to fully remote. Uh, so being a, a CEO of a tech company, how do you think you're going to return in a year? So we, we had an office in, well, we have an office in Buenos Aires, an office, small one in San Francisco, and the rest of the world, where people, people are in Europe or rest of the country in the U.S., they work from, from their home office or sometimes they go to a shared space. We were about to put together a lease for a pretty big space in San Francisco two days before the pandemic, and I did not sign that. Their goal there was to make it a space for showcase slash collaboration with that we could open up for our partners and clients to use. 
because not all of them have the touchscreens and so forth. So we wanted to have like a high-end space for them. As things progress, my wish, to be honest with you, is like to work from home plus have certain locations. In the case, let's, let's focus on the U.S. for now, but throughout the big cities in the U.S., where we can go ahead and activate mural surface hub powered rooms. So we can go there like once or twice a week to collaborate on, on big things, but also do work sessions with our customers. Because again, we're using mural a lot to, to sell, right? To co-create with our customers and so on. So, so flexing up and down as needed. And instead of having permanent office spaces, do partnerships with folks that have locations so that we can, I don't know, some way like level up a big room and come there on demand. I think the technology is one of those things that you really need to experience. And I think that's a, a great way to get people to understand how to change their, their thinking as it relates to this technology. If you could advise a company on adopting your technology, if you were saying, hey, look, there's a diff- different way right now, what is the one piece of advice that you give them? In general, I mean, I tell this to ourselves, we don't talk to companies, right? We talk to individuals that are parts of teams who are employed by a company. And then there's, there's two types of people that are inquiring about Mural. One is someone that wants Mural to help them run a team. And then there's others in large companies that are in the business of changing how many other teams work. So cultural transformations. So at a team level, I, I generally recommend that they know what they are trying to pursue in Mural, right? So which are the, the outcomes, the goals that they want to achieve and set together the first meeting, right? So like take some time to, to use templates, explore templates, dismantle templates if you need to, but define like the, the fundamental parts of, of the meeting and leave some white space in between for this improvisation. But have, have clarity there. And before you throw everybody at the actual work, leave some time for an icebreaker and practice time or even two, right? So where you come in, introduce yourself, add a picture of you, draw yourself in a digital format, have some fun and make it low stakes because people are not only learning probably a new methodology, but they're also learning how to move around in a new environment which is not the same. It's not as easy, of course, as walking to a whiteboard and drawing something, at least for extroverts. Right? <laughs> so make sure that, that you pay attention to the first one, because after the first one, I mean, you, you went through it and, and you say, oh, I liked it. Right. right. But there's a lot of tension, a lot of fear running into the thing. So like, pay attention to that. When it comes to the big deployments, I mean, I always tell them, start small. And also make sure that you select the 20, 25 people that can become these professional facilitators that can jump around in between meetings and and guide others. And templatize a lot. Not because we need to industrialize the process necessarily, but as I said, like people need to practice, practice, practice and learn a new language. So in this company, right, we talk about we understand the customer journey in this way. 
So try to respect it so that we can all understand in the same way. So that the next time we start a meeting, you don't need to be explaining for half an hour what that is. Oh, it's a customer journey. And, oh, these are the steps and so forth. And even better, you know what? Maybe do that in advance so that we don't spend the first 30 minutes catching up. That's really great advice as teams are, are trying to learn together these new digital tools. I think the interesting thing that you said is a lot of times in a room when you're collaborating, an extrovert may feel that they can, you know, they go up and they don't mind taking over the whiteboard and doing that kind of stuff. And in this, it kind of democratizes that ability that anyone can participate and get their ideas out because it doesn't require standing in front of the room. And it does some of those things that may not be comfortable for other people. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. We'll put all the links of the playbook and uh, the definitive guide to remote workshops and all of that information in the show notes. And I wish you the best and I'll keep using the product. Excellent. And yeah, for all of those of you that are facilitators, we have a program to support you. If you go to mural.co slash consultants, you can learn more about that. We are trying to build an ecosystem around our, our software so that people that are really good at this can basically become full-time facilitators, which is, I think, not only a core competency for the future, but also a full-time job. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. Cheers. Bye. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Thank you for listening to the Talent Economy Podcast. Learn more about the future of work and the transformation of the staffing industry from those leading the conversation at staffing.com, where you can hear from experts, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and get access to the best industry research on the future of staffing. If you've enjoyed the conversation, we'd appreciate you rating us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or just tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of The Talent Economy.